Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I think these guys get each other going. Mackey and Judd. It's a good group of guys. They're just waiting for everything to kind of click again and come back together. On 1500 ESPN. Steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! Five years. $14 million a year. He's one of the top 10 highest paid wide receivers in the NFL now. And it's going to be $40 million guaranteed for Stefan Diggs. We'll get more into that. We led the show off with it three hours ago, but new audience. We'll dive more into that. Uh, let's play a little game with you here, Judd. We, we both whiffed on Jason Stark's trivia question because it was easier for us to remember things that happened a generation ago. In 91 or, than last year. or yeah, approximately 1979. <laughs> Yes. We had 91 and 79 covered like you wouldn't believe. It was 2017 where we fell short. So uh, what what would you say, just to prove that you can remember things from way further back in the archives than like five minutes ago, what yep. was, what, what's a Twins, a Twins year that you think you know pretty well? 1980, I was just going through this and I didn't look. I was sitting here and writing down every position player. Okay. And I think I got the main position players from that year written down already. Okay, nineteen eighty. Well, well, let's uh, let's do that then. Why don't you give us the nineteen eighty Twins? I've got the list of position players here too. Oh, okay. It looks like they had one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Looks like they had ten guys play at least a hundred games, and then a couple more who played like ninety-seven games. So why don't you why don't you take a crack at it? All right, the ca- the the primary catcher was Butch Weiniger. Yep. The primary first baseman, I believe, was Ron Jackson. That's correct. The second base platoon that was used was Rob Wilfong and Bobby Randall. Yep. The shortstop was... Well, Bob, Bob Randall only played five games that year. Oh, he did? Okay. Wilfong was the starting second base, okay. so we're going to give you credit. All right. The shortstop was our buddy Roy Smalley. Yep. Third That's base, the third baseman was Mike Cubbage. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't think... And did Castino play that year, too? Both, yeah, there you go. You okay, got okay. Uh, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, then Castino and Alfredo Griffin, the Toronto Blue Jays shortstop, were the co-rookies of the year, possibly, that okay. season. Uh, in left field, I've got um, Rick Soulfield. Yep. In center field... Well, this is a mediocre Twins team, isn't in, it? Oh, God, it was awful. <laughs> in, uh, this is post-Carew. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Pre-Pocket. Ron, Ron Papa of Jackson, as named by Patrick Royce, uh, who then, <laughs> of course, Ron threatened to kill him. Why, uh, what was his nickname? Uh 
Patrick referred to him because uh, he he was the uh, he was the Pioneer Press beat guy, and I believe he was also the sporting news correspondent, which at the time was a big deal, like it was a huge deal. So everybody read it, and I believe in SI one year, uh, it might have been during the off season. In fact, Patrick referred to him as Ron Pop Papa Up Jackson. But he couldn't Papa Papa Up because oh, he oh because he, he popped up, up okay, all the time. Okay. And I think Ron Jackson threatened to do harm to Patrick. <laughs> Uh, all right, wouldn't, so wouldn't be the last time in Patrick Royce's no, it career. would not be. Uh, Rick Schofield in left, Willie Norwood in center, and kind of, and Ken Landro. Willie Norwood played thirty-four games. Ken Landro is the one we're Ken looking Landro, for. Ken Landro, okay. I love how you're naming like the A and the B options here, though. This is pretty impressive. Ken Landro, <laughs> Ken Landro, I believe to this day has the longest hit streak in Twins history at thirty-one games, which he got that season. Okay. Uh, and then they turned around and dealt him. They got him from the Angels, and then they turned around and eventually dealt him to the Dodgers because I think he might have been the first twin to have a alleged cocaine problem. Um, I'm not kidding you. Uh, this is amazing. The, I've never heard of any of these players. <laughs> what year were you the, born? Ninety-three. Oh, wow. You're okay. Oh, I so was 85. And I'm even like fairly young relative to this. I was born five years after this. Uh, here's, here's the scary thing. Uh, the first twin player, if I'm not mistaken, to go to drug re- rehab was a pitcher by the name of Daryl Jackson. I don't know why I know this, but I do. Uh, the right- They didn't have drug rehab in the 60s, though, for the twins. You just dealt with it. They just threw in the towel. Deal with it on your own. <laughs> in the 60s, they said, just go to Woodstock and have fun. Uh, <laughs> All right, so we're looking for a right fielder and maybe a DH. Yeah, I'm going to give you for a right fielder. I'm going to give you two options here. Hoskin Powell, number ten, was one of them, and I want to say Bombo Rivera also was with that team. Yeah, he was. Um, And you just named all the bench players too. He played some right field as well. Wow. Am I missing a DH from that team? Yeah, kind of. 1980 Twins. All right, uh, Jose Morales. There you go. 35 year old Jose Morales. That is quite wow. Can we get over? I did that off the top of my head. I mean, I can't That's tell you what I tough. ate. I can't tell you what I ate for dinner at Target Field last night because I honest <laughs> to God can't remember. And I just gave you every meaningless night. And the eighty twins were awful. They were terrible. They only had two guys hit more than ten home runs, and that would be John Castino with thirteen and Smalley with twelve. <laughs> I know, and I just named you basically every position player and their backup. They had 99 home runs as a team. So there's, okay, There oh, you want to take a crack at the pitchers? Um, sure. I don't even, I don't want to taint this, though. That was, well, do you, you want like every position player. Do you want me to, to try some pitchers? I think I can get some. I don't think you know I can what? get all. No, forget it. All right. So let's, let's end the 1980 experiment on a high note. Okay. So the, the, the experiment is... Why is it easier to remember things from like 30 years ago or however old you are for James, maybe 15 years ago? I now have a list of last year's Twins team, and I don't, <laughs> you don't even forget about like all the position players. We don't need them all, okay? All right. The Twins had nine guys hit double-digit home runs last year. We just need nine. You just named like 15 dudes from no the 1980 shot. roster. I have no shot. We just need the nine guys no. who hit double-digit home oh, runs no. for the Twins last year. I have no chance. You said for that 80 team there was two guys who hit double-digit home runs? Yes. And barely got into the, double digits. I mean, you should be able to get a few of these, right? Polanco, obviously. Or, I'm sorry. Escobar, since we, we named him off the top, yep. a switch hitter who hit 20 last year. Yep. Brian Dozier, obviously. There you go. Double digits, Polanco. I think we said got into double digits. Yep, Is that correct? Um, I just, honest to God, went through in, in my head, thought, who was the third baseman last year? It was Miguel Sano. <laughs> I honestly had that thought. 
I'm struggling. I'm struggling to name the funny. third baseman from the 2007 tweet, and I know Mike Cubbage. Well, like, let's go back to the Stark segment. I mean, we were trying to figure out switch hitters in Twins history who've hit 20 home runs in a season. And he said, it's really recent. And I said, is it Ryan Dobin? He goes, it's more recent than that. And we both stared at each other. And James goes, it was last year. And we both stared again. And you go, Grossman? And I'm like, I don't maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Escobar would have been the correct answer. Was was Kenny Vargas up long enough to do it? Is that a final answer? Yeah, yeah, yes, he was. Oh, yes, hey, he had James, yeah, but he doesn't count because he's young and his brain cells aren't all dead. Uh, all right, Ros- you got five out of nine. Rosario, Rosario well. hit twenty-seven. Bombs. All right, so yep. we got. So I, I would not have got. More. I wouldn't. I would not have got Kenny's Vargas. Uh, there's three more. Three more. Double digits, right? Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. No. Uh, did Castro get there? Yes. Okay. Somehow. I don't. I was gonna say he hit, he hit ten. How did Jason Castro get there? He actually had a for Jason Castro purposes. He actually had a pretty good offensive year. All right, two forty so, with a bunch of home. Well, a bunch ten home runs. Did Buxton get there? There you go. All right, now we're rolling. Now we're he to eight. sixteen. Okay, so we're to eight now. You need one more. The ease of which you rolled off a team, an I, irrelevant team, I'm a sub five hundred team from almost forty years ago. I know. And I'm not even ripping you because it would be the same. If you no. told me, like, name the 98 Cubs or something, like, all right. This is, this is full disclosure as far as, as what happens to a person's brain as he or she ages. <laughs> uh, Grossman, did he get to 10? He got to 9. Too ah! short. Just short. Well, hold on a second. Who played? Kepler. There it is. Kepler all right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that, but that took work. That took actual work. And at one point, I thought to myself, uh, "Who played hilarious. third base last year?" I, I did ruin it. I'm sorry for Vargas. That I, I would not have gotten that. Vargas, Vargas was Vargas. the hardest one on the list. For I sure. wouldn't have got him. No way. He just George runs into have. balls. That's all he does. Is he still? He's still with the Red Wings, isn't he? Yeah. So. He's still in. The, they tried yeah. to get rid of him, and no one else wanted him. And they're like, well, they, right, I guess we'll take well, you back. The, they, I think the Reds claimed him. They did. But then they tried putting him on their AAA team, and the Twins just claimed him back. Yeah, that's right. In one day, they claimed him back. Yeah, I'm not quite sure why. But anyway, yes, that is right there, proof positive of how easily I can recall the summer of 1980 and how much more difficult it is for me to recall the summer of 2017. Yeah, I think, and some of it's just like how much exposure did you have? If you watched every game that summer, I think when you're a kid, you don't, it's not as big of a deal if the team wins or loses. I had a great time as a nine-year-old watching Pat Mears and Scott Stahoviak it was like when my dad would take me to a Twins game, it didn't matter that they were a 95-loss team. Yeah. I got to watch Rich Becker, maybe, like yeah. he's a professional baseball player. Those Twins teams you watch all Met, those games. Same way. There were seasons in the mid-90s when the games were on MSC, most of them, and then they'd also run some of those games on pay-per-view. I've and you'd have that. to pay two or three bucks to get the game on pay-per-view. That was a thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. So this is this is too early for you. You were, you were born, but they would have a certain number of games on MSC, which then became Fox Sports North, Midwest Sports Channel. On the weekends, they would have games on just uh, like non-cable on broadcast TV, so Channel 29 or whatever on Sundays. But then there might be a midweek game on a Wednesday night or a Tuesday night, and they would put it on pay-per-view only. And it wouldn't be 15 bucks, or you wouldn't pay. It's not like an MMA fight where you're going to pay 60 bucks. You pay 3 bucks, and you get to watch the Twins play the Royals or something. And my, yep. and my dad would... Constantly buy me those games as a kid. Like, what was that thought process 
not not of your dad, but we should ask of Dave St. Peter. He like, was part of the organization. Like the did, they, did they make now, money off that? Now to go back into the wayback machine before you you were born, Phil. Spectrum Sports was owned. It was jointly owned by the North Stars and Twins, and so Spectrum, which was so this is is right as cable is starting, but Channel Twenty Three showed Spectrum Sports, but you had to pay and you had to drive and go get the D Scrambler. Okay, mm-hmm. so you'd go to Spectrum, get your D Scrambler, bring it home, hook it up to your TV. Would you rent it or buy one? I think you rented it, but it was so it, it was like cable. But if you didn't have cable, you, you could get Spectrum Sports. So they showed North Stars and Twins games, except for this one small thing. After those games were done, there was something called Spectrum After Dark. Uh oh. <laughs> so they would go. They would transition. <laughs> And and Dick Bramer can tell you stories about Spectrum Sports because he worked for them. They would transition after the ball game or the hockey game, which I guess is more appropriate to say in this case, to Spectrum After Dark. How and, long? How much of a buffer between like I don't remember the post game recap and I don't remember, but I do foreplay. But I do recall that we didn't go get the 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 box to actually watch spectrum but a young man who was a lot of a lot of a lot of buzzwords here (laughs) but a young man a young man who was who gave it some thought would try and watch spectrum after dark through the waves on the uhf channel so the so spectrum what, what era was this this is the early 80s Early 80s? It was actually, the sports idea was a great idea. They shouldn't have given it up, but they did. So this was Spice TV in my, in yes, my era. Yes, this was Spice TV. I'm sure it was soft core, but it was Spectrum After Dark. <laughs> so after Twins Baseball tonight, you, was, was it a two-for-one showing? Would you get the game and then... I don't know how that... I, you know what? I would need to do research now in retrospect. But I just remember every once in a while after a Twins game turning on the little black and white TV, and trying to see if the line swiggled just right. <laughs> you trying to envision Judd in the 80s. Oh, my God. Spectrum Get this out of my head right now. Yep. Spectrum. Oh, God. Turn off the contrast. I was 10 years old. I was just learning about life, sports, and all of the other good stuff. Birds, bees, and the... And Twins baseball. Houston Astros. James has some questions for us when we come back. Let's talk about the best car dealership and service department in the Twin Cities, Luther Brookdale Toyota. In fact, they have a couple great deals right now on their website for 2018 RAV4. So what's happening now is as we get to the second half of the year, the calendar year, the 2019 models are on the way sometime shortly here in the coming months. And so you're going to see some really good deals on 2018. they got to make room. Let's just be honest. So you can get into one of the most durable and best SUVs in the world right now, the RAV4. It's one of the most popular SUVs in the world. You can get into one for just $229 per month on a 36-month lease, just $33.99 down at signing. If you want to put nothing down at signing, where you just go in, you test drive, you fill up the paperwork, and you put nothing down, $339 a month. That's it on a 36-month lease. Again, corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. These are RAV4, spaciousness, but handling like more of a Camry or a Corolla. Are you ready? Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We are ready. Now back to Mackie and John. Ready! On 1500 ESPN. 
Now on Mackie and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. You like that? The Rock knows how you feel about pie. All right, James Murphy is in for Dave Harrigan, the vacationing Dave Harrigan, and he's got three questions of significant importance. Nothing on the Twins trade front right now, but there's still two hours and 40 minutes to go, and there's all kinds of Brian Dozier steam out there, so we'll see what happens. It's possible that once Chris Archer gets traded that uh, like Kyle Gibson might pop up. You and I were talking about that during the commercial break, but mm-hmm. we shall see. James, what do you got for us? So we mentioned, obviously, multiple times today, Stefan Diggs locked up for five years uh, on an extension. Uh, but with that signing, it might be hard to lock up the remaining defensive players and also restructure Adam Thielen if he's wanting a little bit of a pay increase. So I'm going to ask you, gentlemen, who is the odd man out out of Adam Thielen, Trey Waynes, and Anthony Barr? Uh, mm. I'll go first. I think it's Barr. I think Barr is going to be I, – I like him, and he's a good player. I think the perception of his value is such, though, that he's going to ask for a lot. And at some point in time, you have to draw the line. Thielen's incredibly valuable, playing for way too cheap now. But he's going to want to stay here. And so I think I think that uh, both sides can come to an agreement on a contract extension that's probably very fair there. Uh, Trey Wayne, you're going to have to deal with. But uh, as Collar said, he's going to be going into his fifth-year option in 2019. And so you're going to have another bite at the apple there to restructure him at that time. So I think if there's an immediate guy who they're not going to franchise possibly and who might be the odd man out, I'm going with Anthony Barr. I agree with Judd. I hate to be agreeable here. I'd, I'd like to debate Judd, Skip Bayless, and uh, Shannon Sharp style. However. But uh, you, talk about, you, go, you talk about a guy like Anthony Barr. Let me tell you. Go, Skip, come on now. Um, I think it's Anthony Barr, too. It's not Thielen because they might even value Thielen. It's possible they think Thielen's a better receiver than Stefan Diggs, and so it's just a matter of finding money for him. Uh, and I would say that as long as Mike Zimmer is the head coach, they're always going to feel more confident saying goodbye to a defensive player because they can cultivate and find. Now, he might disagree and say, no, I want to sign these guys that I've developed, that we've drafted, developed, and plugged into our system. Uh, but Mike Zimmer is able to find guys even in the middle rounds, and turn them into monstrous players. Or or reach, as a lot of people said, with Anthony Barr toward the top of the first round and turn him into this Pro Bowl caliber player. Uh, so what's the most expendable? I would say either a cornerback from your stash of several first-rounders that you already have on your roster uh, or a linebacker from the grouping that already has Eric Kendricks. So I, th- I think it's, some of it's about position, and you've got pass rushers. You got you got Everson Griffin. You got Daniel Hunter. I'm not saying that you'd love to lose any of these three guys, but if it's just like which guy can we most afford to lose, it's probably the last couple of years version of Anthony Barr. Sorry, Anthony, you'll get paid. It'll just be somewhere else. Oh, he'll get paid somewhere. He'll be yeah. he'll go to like a three four defense, don't you think? He'll go play in, in some three four defense. Yeah, I think he should. He'll go play for maybe not the Patriots, but and uh, and he'll be one of those hybrid edge rushers that starts with. Without his hand in the grass, yep. so to speak. Yeah, he could be very good that way. All right, guys, I want you to put yourselves in Doge's shoes to answer this question. All right. Wow. The Twins last <laughs> night they they walked off the tribe. If in case you uh, in case you didn't see that, they're currently eight games back in the division. Remember, there's 162 games. Thanks, Doge. Yeah. Where do they need to get 
before you rip out your uh, hashtag it's happening t-shirts from the closet. <laughs> uh, where do you need to get? I would yeah. say Milwaukee is where you need to get if you're Brian Dozier. <laughs> Damn, you're Phil or Mackey or, forever coming up with that hashtag. Or Cleveland. Possibly Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really agree with Judd. I think I think Dozier's done. I think he's, as far as like being checked in with the Twins, he's he's a professional. He's going to go about. He's going to be in the lineup. If, if they don't trade him today, he'll be a good soldier, I'm sure. But he seems like a guy who holds grudges. He definitely remembered what happened last trade deadline and like had no, there was, in his mind, there was no empathizing with the front office and a, a tough decision. Like, oh man, we... We were buried in the standings, and we just got hot. In his mind, it's they betrayed us. Yep. And therefore, and they betrayed me by not offering a contract extension. Very much so. And maybe they should have engaged in some sort of lowball contract extension. I'm okay but, with them not. Um, but I, I would say, unless Cleveland has Corey Kluber and Carlos Car- uh, Carrasco both get hit by buses, I, I think it's over. Sorry. Sorry, Doge. I have no comforting words for you. Oh, yeah. It's done. There, there's no... It's done. And the thing I like about this year is there's no... There's no... Let's sort of tiptoe around this and see. I mean, that was... In Falvey and Levine's defense last year, that was a pretty likable team that was struggling, but you knew they weren't terrible. You just didn't know, okay, can they re- rebound? And you thought to yourself, probably not, but it was it was worth that shot. But they just made two trades. And the Garcia trade, I think, came four days after they had acquired him from Atlanta. Right. So that was very much a situation of where you sort of tiptoed around it and you made a couple moves. And the Kinsler trade, you might have re- regretted in retrospect. But nonetheless, you didn't destroy that that team. With this one, I agree. Just pick every piece carcass you possibly can and trade them. Do exactly what Tampa yeah. Bay does. Look at these guys as commodities, not people. Mm-hmm. I am perfectly comfortable in saying this team is done and what they're do- doing now, which is accumulating bodies... That could help you eventually. It's a smart move. I, I will add this to the conversation. I'm not saying they're going to make a run at the division or anything, but there is a chance in the last two months, even with trading away Eduardo Escobar and maybe Brian Dozier, that they could play well and maybe even improve their record because they did get Miguel Sano back. If his bat is anything like it should be for two months, that's an addition to your lineup. Buxton's back and healthy at AAA. Just hit a, a, a leadoff bomb the other night. Like, He's going to come back and roam center field at the very least. He's going to help your pitchers if he gives you something offensively. Lance Lynn was a below-average to far-below-average starter, so just replacing him with almost anybody is an upgrade. Uh, Polanco didn't really play in the first half of the season, so there's a chance that you could just see a little uptick with some of these young guys snapping out of it in the second half of the season. And one so it thing, might not be a total uh, a total death march. And one thing, too, Jake Cave quit diving for balls. <laughs> Honest to God. Every time. His, in his Honest head, it's like, to God. I need a web gem every time a yeah. ball's hit in the air. I mean, yeah. you could have held guys at first and second last night, and you sold out, and I knew that ball, he had no chance. And to your guys' point, too, uh, before I move on, there, they were nine games back when they made the two trades yesterday um, of the division. I think when they had a similar record last year, but they were only four and a half or something back of the of the wild card. So right. much different yeah. situation. The fact that the wild card is not even an option no. right now no. just makes it even more obvious that they should make two these dis- trades. Two disturbing things are here are one look look up their record against uh, the Royals, White Sox, and Tigers, all three terrible teams, and I believe they're thirteen and fourteen. 
and their their record in one run games is awful. Yeah, like if you turn those around, this is a competitive team. But because of of both of the faults in those areas, you deserve to have the roster peeled apart. Before I ask my final question, uh, Mackie, did you were you ever on a Vikings beat or no? Yes, for uh, home games and and practices for three years actually, two thousand seven okay. through two thousand nine. I wasn't sure. Okay, yep. sounds good. Um, so yesterday was the first padded practice for the Vikings uh, in, during training camp. With that in mind, I want to know what are some of your most memorable moments while covering the team in training camp or during training camp. <laughs> Man. Judd and I go share ahead, some of those go moments. Go ahead and tell the story about the day Favre decided to uh, decided not to come back in 2010 with you and Pelissero. That's my favorite. Oh, that's uh, that's a doozy. Yeah, <laughs> what, the hottest day you could possibly find. Okay, yeah, this was like toward the end. Was this toward the end of training camp down there? Have we have we been down there a while, or was this toward the beginning? Maybe this is toward the beginning, just to shut yeah. up. Just to shut everybody up. Hey, Favre's not going to come. He's not coming yeah, back. It was July, I think, still, right? Yeah. Yeah. 2010. And people may know there was a bar down there called Boomtown. Very prominent. A lot of uh, college-age drinkers down there. So here's what happened. And, and Judd. And Judd. <laughs> Thank you. Judd would enjoy a libation <laughs> or two. clarifying. And so Pelissero and I were, uh, this was the first summer of 1500ESPN.com, and we had started this new brand and website and and so we would, you know, we'd work our asses off during the day and we would, you know, we'd write all these articles and do radio shows and you name it, radio hits around the country. And so we're, we're working hard throughout the first six months of this brand and throughout the first whatever portion of training camp. And, uh, and we're all kind of bracing for Brett Favre to come back and this is going to be a you know, big training camp. And all of a sudden news leaks that Brett Favre has decided to stay retired. He will not come back for a second season with the Vikings. And this is like, whatever, like middle of the day on a, whatever day it was. And and that was our cue, like, okay, well, this is going to be a really easy week of training camp now because we don't have to worry about this big news breaking. Like, it's just going to be Tavares Jackson and Sage Rosenfels, and we can, we can unbutton our uh, top button a little bit here, go out. So we went out, and we may or may not have closed down the bar and then some till like 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. It happens. Had a couple cocktails more than we planned on. Might be a bit beyond when the state allows you to close your bar, but okay, keep going. No, we actually brought it back to uh, the American. Okay. Yep. Okay. It was just a friendly little uh, right. little late night chat and drinking session to the point where like we were leaning on each other walking through the parking lot. I think he'd be okay with me telling this. Now, statute of limitations. Mm-hmm. Well, the next morning, and we're just dragging ourselves out oh, to yeah. practice. Like full on headache, probably still, probably still drunk from the night before, and all of a sudden, like, actually, you know what it was? It was before training camp. Farvid said he was staying retired, and it was the it was this day after we decided to go out that news broke that he was coming back. So now it's turned into all national media reports and all spotlights are on the Twin Cities. And like Bob Lee wanted Tom Pelissero on to be on outside the lines in the afternoon to talk about what's percolating in Minneapolis. Right. And poor Tom, like Tom rolls out of bed and he's just a zombie, but I've never seen a dude snap out of it instantaneously and deliver a five minute interview on camera. Mind you, as professionally and alert as Pelissero, like he was only to like go back into his <laughs> his uh, morbid state. So I don't know. It's stuff like that is what I remember mostly. Just being a college age idiot. Oh, <laughs> it's a good camp. story. Oh, it was fun. John uh, probably has a hundred great stories. Well, 
My favorite, None of them safe for the radio. No, and my favorite training camp of all time w- would have been the 2005 camp, which was the last, the last Ticey camp. Uh, the Wilfs had just bought the team, but it, it was, as far as things were concerned, football-wise, the wild, wild west. To the point of you, you would show up for practice in the morning. They'd be selling beer to the fans in the stands, and like they'd be going through practice and and. The Mankato KQ would be playing like full blast in the background. So Brad Johnson would be throwing passes, and there'd be and there'd be music playing in the background, and and the fans had great access. So they would come down in droves, and they would stay all day, and they would be hammered, and they'd stay all night. So that that was just the most fun because it was it was not necessarily professionally run, James. Uh, but it gave you a glimpse of how things used to be. My one, my one regret about the fact that I say now that the Vikings are are to me the third most stable franchise in the National Football League is the fact everything's corporate now. Yeah, like yeah. they're like yeah. the stadium is incredibly corporate. Mm-hmm. The the Egan facility is beyond corporate. I mean, Lando Lakes owns the hill on the side of the practice field. Um, everything is sponsored. So the one thing about Mankato that was a lot of fun is it was the last vestige of as uncorporate as you could possibly get. And it was goofy, but fun. Mm. This is, this is much more productive to winning football games, but it's probably not as much fun. Yeah. I mean, and let's even go back further when back in the eighties and even early nineties training camp for players was to get in shape they were down there for six weeks. Exactly. And it was it was full two a days with pads and it oh, yeah. wasn't like special teams practice in the afternoon. It was no, it was conditioning and it was everything. And now it's just yeah. Childress's first year in two thousand six, I think if you if you look it up, I think they went two a days in full pads for like eight consecutive days. Yeah. That's not even legal just by just the league. Now. And that's not even that long ago. It's only like ten years ago. First practice that Childress conducted was conducted in a driving rainstorm in which he wouldn't go <laughs> inside. Right. He wouldn't, and we're all out there with our umbrellas. We're like, "What are you doing?" Uh, we're just Tahi uh, 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 and uh, uh, Dugan. Uh, but Brad, it's pork. Brad, there's a tornado. <laughs> Brad, there's uh, lightning on the horizon. Uh, it's just conjecture. Uh, <laughs> Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Just a reminder: this station does not endorse this. On fifteen hundred ESPN. Phil Mackey. Poke it out of the bunker, two putt for a 10. You lost the course. And then I lit myself on fire. Judd Zolgad. Am I just getting old and super cranky or old and sort of cranky? Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. The final 3M championship is happening this week at TPC Twin Cities. Come out for this free Champions Tour event and watch the legends of golf. Plus, catch 1500 ESPN broadcasting from the Expo Tent Friday through Sunday. More details are at 1500ESPN.com, keyword events. Steps into it, passes, caught, digs, sideline, touchdown, unbelievable. The news today that uh, Stefan Diggs, Phil Mackey, has signed a five-year contract extension, which is really six because he's going to play out the last year of his contract this year, mm-hmm. now means that through at least the 2020 season, this team has signed Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, Riley Reef, 
Pat Elfline, Eric Hendricks, Everson Griffin, Daniil Hunter, Harrison Smith, Xavier Rhodes, Stefan Diggs, and Linval Joseph. Anthony Boy, Rob Brzezinski, light a cigarette, my oh, man. Oh, he's good at or it. A, he's you know what? Bourbon. You know what? You can a good a good salary cap guy. You're you're just like yeah, of course you signed those guys. That's not true. He's mm-hmm. really good at this. Um, Anthony Barr very well might be gone. I mean, they could try try and franchise him, but I'm not sure that they're going to. Uh, the other contract I think that you can look up right now and see is going to be restructured, my guess, for 2019, Kyle Rudolph. Oh, 100%. I think he gets I, I restructured. or I think he's on the team because I think he desperately wants to be here. Okay. But I think he'll redo his contract. Yeah, and then there's or other guys like, like Brian Robinson's a million point one or two and probably hangs it up after the season. And like Latavius Murray will come off the books, right? He's yep. probably a, a one and done, or well, two years and done guy. Yep. Uh, Sheldon Richardson. Here's a question for you. You've covered Rob Brzezinski for a number of years, and, and he's been in that front office for a decade now. Uh, 20 years. I think he got here in, 19, oh, 20 in years, okay. 2000-ish, yeah. It's so, yeah, so, okay, wow. Um, why has he has he received interest, general manager interest around the league, or is it is this kind <laughs> of like this is his role? Yes. And- yeah, I think, you know, okay, I don't know this for sure, but I know him a little bit from my time covering the team for the Star Tribune. Mm-hmm. Here's my assessment. Super smart dude. Rob is incredibly smart. And there was a time during the Triangle of Authority years where I think he got more involved in football, but I think he's smart. And so I think he said to himself, whoa, whoa, whoa. When when Spielman got hired, and say say what you will about Rick, but he's, he's a lifer football guy, I think Rob said, I'm in a really good place here. Because if you get over your skis, and you decide, you know, I'm good at contracts, and so I'm going to be a football guy too. Mm-hmm. That's not really your role in life. My my observation of Rob is he's treated really well. He does a really good job. I think he plays an instrumental role, mm-hmm. but I also think he was probably smart enough to to look at the children's year, the Tice years, and the children's years, and see that as things evolved, that that when you're working with a group of people who know their roles and execute them well, it's smart to stay in that lane. Because I have not heard a thing in five to ten years about Rob getting outside the role of what he does right now. And I think he probably saw, hey, we got Zimmer, who's a really good coach. Spielman does a – Spielman has faults but does a good job. I do a good job. And so I think he was was very – Brzezinski was very observant of all those factors. I just feel like, you know, if there's there's an organization and there's always five or ten of them, the Browns or – the Dolphins, just teams looking to hit the reset button every three to five years. I'm a little surprised that his name hasn't popped up more often. And maybe that maybe that's just it. Maybe maybe he's kind of made it clear that I'm not a personnel. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you which players should be on the roster. Right. But once you've identified which players are on the roster, I can help you keep them. Yep. Or I can help you sign them. Yep. And the m- most interesting thing about uh, the dynamic about that team and their executives, as far as that goes, to me is uh, is George Payton. Because he's been Spielman's assistant GM here for a long time, and he's been... He interviewed with the Niners, didn't he? Yeah, he did, and and I think he either turned down the chance or talked to the Rams. He's been up for... He's been, in some way, shape, or form, approached about five jobs, yeah. and always I either said no, and there might be a case or two where he didn't get them, but he's a guy, because he, he is a, a personnel guy, he's a guy who I always thought would eventually get promoted or go to a different team, and he has not. But this this again speaks to what what 
we've been talking about the past two days, the stability of this team. I think people look around here and they're like, the tree, the Wilfs treat us really well. Mm-hmm. We're building stadiums and practice facilities now. And so I think if you're smart, you say to yourself, do I really want to go try and run the Cleveland Browns? Yeah. Or do I want to stay in, in a place where I'm valued, I do a good job, and and we are consistently successful? Because they are. Well, we got an email from from Matt. Matt listens, and we appreciate it, Matt. And Matt disagrees. He thought that my, my list... And yours was pretty similar. You had the Vikings as the third most stable NFL franchise. Adam is the second one behind only the Eagles. And you put Saints and Patriots number one and number two because mostly because of how stable they've been with quarterback. But we both agree the Vikings are one of the three most stable NFL franchises right now. And Matt emailed, what a homer list, Mackie. You'd be hard-pressed to find a single national reporter with no Minnesota ties that would rank the Vikings as the second most stable franchise in the NFL. Are you openly applying to replace Wabi at... Has PA's little buddy. Uh, <laughs> kind of funny. Um, well, first of all, I saw Ross Tucker. Ross Tucker, who's from Philadelphia, so I, so he did rank the Eagles in that. But he said, if you're not doing what the Eagles and Vikings are doing, you should immediately stop and reevaluate as a franchise. So there are national people, and and he's not the only one, right? That fully agree that the Vikings have a blueprint right now that's really, really worth modeling in the NFL. And I said, well, name five more stable franchises. I'll debate like. I'm not married to them being number two. You could twist my arm into ranking them number five. Mm-hmm. But I said, name five better. And he said, how about 12? And I'm going to systematically go through all 12 of these just to show you, like, I think the Vikings are easily one of the top five most stable franchises, if not the second most stable franchise. He says Seahawks. Two years ago, absolutely would have said Seahawks. And Russell Wilson is a more stable quarterback option for sure than Kirk Cousins is right now. But the Seahawks have had eroding personnel for like two or three years. Richard Sherman's gone. Like two or three of their star defensive players from when you remember them three years ago are gone. Right. Pete Carroll, not the same magic as maybe three, four years ago. Okay. I wouldn't guarantee the Seahawks above the Vikings right now. Okay. Uh, Chiefs, okay. I could I could live with that. Andy Reid, um, they go to the playoffs every year with Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. Patriots. I know you put them put the Patriots number one, but the Patriots don't know who they are after this season. Tom Brady might not be back. Bill Belichick might not be back. Mm-hmm. You can't guarantee those things. Uh, Steelers, Eagles, I won't fight you on those. Broncos, no. who's your quarterback? No. Okay, Case the Broncos, Keenum. But like, yeah. uh, the, the, the Broncos post Peyton Manning have been searching for their identity. Yeah, they won a Super Bowl yeah, recently. I would not put the but Broncos on, I'm, on I'm my top five. The Vikings. Nope. Uh, Chargers because they popped up and went nine and seven last year. Well, I'll take Philip Rivers, but he's like thirty-seven. Yeah, they've got and they just moved. They just moved to a new rickety home. Uh, Ravens stability in terms of they've had the same coach and quarterback for a long time. The Ravens would would have been on that list for me five years ago easily, and now it's not a train wreck franchise. But yep, Uh, and then you know Rams. I won't fight you on that. Panthers, Matt, the Panthers. I'd rather just because they went to a Super Bowl a couple years ago, and I would Cam rather, Newton. and I would prefer to to be the the Vikings to, to the Rams right now. I mean, the Rams might be awesome and it might be great, but if you're asking me for overall stability, I'll take the Vikings right now. Yeah, look at the ages of the players the Vikings have locked up for the next two to three to four years. They're all in their prime. But I understand They're all in their prime. They have no bad Listen, contracts. I get this. I get the fact that seeing the Vikings in this light in some ways can be difficult. Because the Vikings aren't 
and haven't been a train wreck too often. Mm-hmm. But there's always been things about them, right? Guys get arrested. You know they're at Winter Park. You know they're in the Metrodome. They can't find a, a QB. There have been a lot of things about the, the Vikings to pick apart. So putting them in this top five list, to me, the exercise is how far they've come. Mm-hmm. That's the exercise. So, yeah, I mean, if if you, if you were to have to ask me on Monday morning without me giving this any thought, hey, do, do you think the Vikings are one of the uh, five most stable franchises just off the top of your head? I probably would have been like, I don't know about top five. Yeah, But well, the more I think about it, well, they've changed the dynamic. Flip the question around. What's unstable about the Vikings right now? You might say, oh, they might have overpaid for a league average quarterback, but the guy plays 16 games each of the last three years. What else? Okay, the offensive line has a couple questions. I'm trying to think. I know their offensive line coach tragically passed away. Yeah, so but there are like little things here and there that. But I mean, the the things that we've spent the summer dissecting about them as far as potential concerns. Think about that compared to the things we dissected five years ago about this franchise. Mm-hmm. Like their secondary is is probably w- w- one of the best in the National Football League now, right? Their defense certainly is for right. sure. But there's like there's been times and yeah, there's, there's other organizations where you would say that ownership is a question or GM is a question or man, is this coach going to work out? And the Vikings check all of those or locker important room. pillars. Or locker room. I mean, mm-hmm. there have been a lot of times where, where you've been like, well, Bernard Berrien? I mean, he might catch passes, but he doesn't seem like a great guy to me, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there have been there have been a lot of times previously uh, before Zimmer got here. And I actually give Frazier some credit for, for this because I think they got some good people here at that time as well. But uh, there was extended periods where you're like, well, this player's a good player, but he's a dicey mm-hmm. character. How many dicey characters? Like, how, how many guys do you... Look at right now on this team and say, ah, man, that that guy might yeah. that that guy might be trouble. I mean, Sheldon Richardson, maybe. Yeah, they just brought in, but you'd hope that you, the rest of your culture is set to the point where you can yes. absorb someone who might be agree completely uh, a problem somewhere else. And also worth noting, some of these other franchises that we would put in the stability category, so Steelers and even historically the Giants, they hasn't been great for them lately. But the Giants, from from an ownership perspective, and traditionally, and now Pat Shermer is a respected coach. Even those type of franchises. Rams right now have franchise tag slash holdout issues, right? Le'Veon Bell, conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, Odell Beckham, conflict. Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald. conflict. Yep. And the Vikings just, they don't have that either. Oh, we want you. Oh, we, I want to stay here. Okay, let's come to a, that doesn't mean a deal that both sides agree on. And that does not mean that, that they're going to win the Super Bowl or be perfect. But what it does mean is it's a level of stability that I haven't seen from this franchise since I started to watch this this team probably in 78. Yes. Of course, now that we've laid all that out for the last 10 or 15 minutes, yep. it's pretty sure to train wreck for a 5-11 and 11 season in which, like, four players tear their ACLs. Right? That's just bad luck, though. Because that also is the vibe. As long as they don't get arrested, <laughs> as long as they don't get arrested and they just tear their ACLs, they that recover. would be bad luck. They can yeah. come back from that. Let's talk about TCL TVs here for a moment. We're going to be watching Vikings games in this studio uh, on uh, at least the, the, the Ventline crew. On these award-winning TCL TVs with superior 4K picture quality, Dolby Vision, giving you greater contrast and brighter, more accurate colors. So you'll be able to see the purple jersey streaking down the sidelines and Stefan Diggs. We were watching that Minneapolis Miracle play on a 55-inch TCL TV. It's a great sports-watching experience, lifelike images from the brightest of brights to the darkest of darks. In fact, if you go to any search engine, just go to Google and type in TCL TV Reviews. You're going to find rave, rave reviews from all kinds of top publications like CNET, uh, PC Magazine, USA Today's Review.com. 
saying things like TCL has arrived, produces images with more detail, brightness, and color than most TVs that cost hundreds of dollars more. TCLUSA.com, or you can stop by any major... Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. You've been ratted out, boys. On 1500 ESPN. Baby bomber, no longer a baby bomber. Maybe he's a What's Twins he? tagger. Provis um, can Minnesota Mauler. Provis can make that decision on his call. I don't think Provis is one for nicknames. But, no, he's not. But uh, Tyler Austin will start for for AAA Rochester here, and then uh, we'll see if he's up with the Twins. At oh, some he won't point. come here right away, huh? No, they optioned I, him I to AAA. Might. Yeah, he was he stri- he strikes out a lot in the major leagues. He didn't strike out nearly that much in the minor leagues, but right. he's an option. So nothing on the Dozier trade front right now that we can report. We kind of we were kind of hoping something would happen before one o'clock so we could have it happen on our show here. So but. Trevor May is up in the Lance Lynn spot, correct? Yeah. You know what? I forgot about Trevor. It's easy to forget about these guys who are sidelined with injury, but. Trevor May, stuff-wise, and even for stretches, results-wise, uh-huh. has had a lot of potential. I think he's only 27 or 28 years old still, so coming off the injury, he hasn't really pitched in a couple years in the majors. Mm-hmm. Interesting guy to watch the rest of the season. If you could get a look at him as a starter between now and the end of the year to kind of figure out, is he part of next year's rotation? Yep. And then the other guy that they signed this offseason uh, to a two-year contract was Michael Pineda, who apparently is on a rehab assignment and might be ready to pitch in the major leagues by like September. So okay. you might get a look if you're looking looking ahead here, assuming they keep Gibson and Odorizzi for next year. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if Kyle Gibson still gets traded in the next couple hours, but let's say they keep him. And you for sure have Barrios going into next year. Fernando Romero, I think, is going to be in the rotation all year next year. Gibson, Odorizzi, but then you have Michael Pineda, who at one point was one of the best pitchers in the American League. Mm-hmm. He's had some injury issues, Tommy John, and Trevor May, who uh, has shown some promise. So you've got you've got some arms all under the age of 30, except for Gibson, who are pretty intriguing for next year. Our, our guy, uh, Jake DePew, who covered the series uh, for 1500ESPN.com in Boston, I think he tweeted today that the brass told him that May is going to come up as a reliever. Yeah, and that just so slow he'll, cook he'll him a start bit. Out, out of the bullpen. But yeah. yeah, I mean they've got options there. I would. I'm very curious to know what they could get for uh, Gibson if they trade him. It sounds like the Brewers are in on Archer, and then had a potential backup deal with the Reds of Harvey if they can't get him. But Harvey's kind of a disaster. Still. I know he he's is. like he's a five inning guy. If you're lucky, so he gave up eight earned runs two starts ago. So my point my point is this: What if you go back to the Brewers? And offer up Gibson and just throw Dozier in. Like Dozier's no longer the focal point. He's just going to be included as baggage. Would Milwaukee give you, you know, we, we talked about three potential prospects, I think, last week. Would Milwaukee give you two two really good prospects? I'm not saying you have to trade them. I think the, the, the problem offers. for Milwaukee is their best pitching prospect is also one of their best starting pitchers right now. He's made eight starts in the majors this year. Yeah. And um, I just don't know. I guess if you said we'll give you Gibson and Dozier. For that dude, and then like two or three throw-ins, I don't know how that improves their starting rotation. If their goal was to improve the rotation, right, and they're not. just swapping out one good pitcher for another, um, I don't know. I, I would. It, 
things always happen in like the last 30 minutes where teams sit on their best offers until the last minute. Yep. And then it's just frenetic activity. This is definitely the most active the Twins have been in a deadline in a long time. Can you remember the last time no. they traded four guys like this in I, the days leading up to the deadline? I, I was talking about that with uh, someone at the game last night. And, and I actually said I, I should ask Phil because there might have been an off chance that they were during the time that you covered them. But then I thought back, I don't think Terry ever was. Like, when's the last? I mean, Terry made a lot of moves, and he would move. Terry would move those, those for the most part, crappy veterans that, that he would sign every year mm-hmm. and then try and move them for prospects like Ortiz at the deadline, which made sense. But I don't remember any time period where they where they were trading four, five, six players. Yeah. It was also the old system too, where they or a free age a guy would become a free agent and then he'd be classified as a type A or a type B or whatever. And you wouldn't have to offer him one year fifteen million dollars, have him rejected for you to get compensation. Right. So there was there was there was value in just taking free agents to the end of the season ten years ago, maybe more so than now. Well we'll see what happens and we'll talk about it tomorrow. Find our stuff on demand at 1500ESPN.com, Mackie and Judd Showpage. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.